You are at war with yourself and likely don't realize it. Your thoughts, beliefs, habits, and actions often sabotage you. Are they helping you overcome adversity or setting you up for failure? To win this battle, you must connect with your inner warrior. We all have a warrior within us, one that strengthens our resolve and helps us to rise to meet life's challenges. If you're just surviving rather than thriving, then it's time to embrace the warrior archetype, live the warrior ethos, and ascend. If you are a veteran, first responder, or someone looking to take charge of your life, find your tribe, and then be the hero of your own story, this podcast is for you. Join Mike Kinney and Matt Hastings, two retired U.S. Army officers who served in U.S. Army Special Operations and Army Aviation Units, as they share with you optimal performance practices they learned in their time with the Military and Warriors Ascent, a 501c3 nonprofit that helps veterans and warriors with PTS. All right, well, hello, everyone. I'm Mike Kenny. This is Matt Hastings. Hello. This is the Warriors Ascent podcast. So we're two uh, former military guys, retired from, uh, from the U.S. Army, and we're here to talk about warrior stuff. Warrior stuff. <laughs> warrior stuff. No, so the warrior archetype, warrior ethos, um, self-care in a variety of things. Kind of so a season rundown on what we've done, right? It is, right. So this is this is 10. So this is kind of this will be a recapitulation of what it is that we've spoken about. So let me start off by asking. Has anyone in the audience ever felt like, hey man, you're going through the motions? You're like ah say languishing we talked about it i think last last episode or so but like something is not quite right i don't feel horrible but i don't feel like i'm really executing very well um whether it be motivation it might be energy um it could be direction like all right hey what am i doing i'm just going through the motions could be a variety of things if anyone out there has felt like that at one time you're in good company we all have right we're we pretty all do, high right? performing guys you know so we think um well you know this episode it's going to be a recap of what it is that we spoke to in previous episodes so if you want the more details you know see the previous episodes where we break things out in a little bit more granularity but the intent behind this episode is hey help uh, i'll say maybe diagnose where maybe things are deficient you know why it is that maybe your motivation's waning your energy's waning um and what it is that you can do about it so mind body and soul that is what we're about you know in terms of our holistic approach to mental health well-being um and just i'll say embracing the warrior archetype and living the warrior ethos so I like how you talk about a diagnosis, a little self-diagnosis, you know? Yeah. Now we're not, we're not docs. So, no. you know, just let me put that caveat kind on like that. A, we're not PhDs. We're not psychologists. So diagnosis. Or a car diagnostic <laughs> center. <laughs> kind of like mechanics, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Mechanics, more of a mechanic. Right, exactly. I mean, you, you know, as, as a former <laughs> aviator, I mean, I'm sure you can, you know, attest to, to that. But uh, yeah, no, so we're going to approach this episode really from the perspective of looking back on what it is that we discussed kind of using that as a uh i'll say a rubric or, or an optic through which you know you can kind of look at your life and say okay hey what what might be missing i'll say this you know and i'll share i'm there are times when i think i execute well and i'm doing the right things and uh you know those those lead measures right and the lag measure being hey i'm feeling pretty good and i'm executing well and then there are times when it's just like you know i'm just not feeling it and sometimes those are just the ebbs and flows and and rhythms of life and there's not much to be done about it sometimes but oftentimes it's really tied to your habits you know your lifestyle habits your mindsets your self-care practices things that quite frankly you can control and and that to me is a big part of our approach our philosophy right it's about empowerment and ownership and this notion that you've got more power control and agency over facets of your life than you might realize or want to believe or, or or take responsibility for but once you realize that and know what it is that you can do to bring about certain outcomes you know the more empowered you're going to feel and that's really important so one of the things 
we talk about is the success path, right? And our approach, you know, at Warriors Ascent, 501c3, you know, that Matt and I are both involved with that helps veterans and first responders with post-traumatic stress. You know, we like to say we put people on the path to, to healing. Um, certainly not the end-all be-all. Certainly not, hey, people spend days with us and their life is a cloudless sky going forward, of which you can attest to. Right. But, you know, our notion is that what we show are tried and true methodologies, mental frameworks, self-care practices, that if nothing else, if you execute those diligently, you are going to be in a better place, no doubt. I'm never going to oversell it and say you'll be healed and your life is going to be awesome. No one's life is ever completely awesome. People always have setbacks. So, you know, it says here it's, it's not the way, but a proven method. Um, you know, no magic or mysticism. It's not rocket science, just a tried and true methodology that works, but it only works if you work. So, Matt, man, please is that true? Take, take it away. I mean, I think that's the, the most true thing you could say. Um, one of the things, I, not only do I work with Warriors Ascent, I'm on the board of Warriors Ascent, but I'm a graduate and an alumni of Warriors Ascent. And one of the things, and I go back to graduation is a powerful day. Every graduation I attend to include mine, people get up, each person gives up and gives a testimonial to their newfound ways and I, I know everyone means it and um when we leave that place we we all get on big group texts and we text amongst each other and i'm about a year and three months out and i'll tell you what i'll make a guarantee to you mike you won't guarantee <laughs> anything but i'll guarantee you okay yeah. if you don't work it nothing will happen that's right i will promise you that the guys that are still texting in the group that are doing well are doing the stuff we learned they're staying consistent with it the guys that are struggling are reaching out saying you know help me i need help and we will say back well are you doing the meditation are you doing the breathing are you doing the journaling you know basically are you working the system and what we get is you know crickets because the answer is probably not because you know this is a true it's a good method and if you're doing it consistently over over it's gonna you're gonna get a result that's better than what you have right now so there the, there's nothing to lose in trying it is the only thing i can say but i make that one salesman guarantee if you do nothing nothing will change that's no exactly what's the i think what einstein the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and thinking you need a different result or outcome Absolutely. right Absolutely. Um, so your, your circumstances will, will change only when, when you do, right? right? So that's very important. So as, as we've said, you know, the program, the process, right? Trust the process, as we say, only works if you do. So that's- In fact, I'm going to say it now because you said it, it Mike, uh, and when I was doing my, our workshop five day, and uh, you said when things look like bad and even after you've left here and you're doing all the work and uh, you got to take inventory a true true inventory yourself in your behaviors and say do i need to double down because you do sometimes you're going to find out you the, the key is to double down that's what you said when things are going bad double down on the protocols and um you know i left there and i'm a person who professes that warriors changed my life to the point where it saved my life and um but it's not true unless I use the program. You know, it's not just going to be a memory and then it's over with. You know, I have to work the program in order to feel the same way I, f I felt and, the, and, and get the positive outcomes I have. No, absolutely, brother. No, so my friend Brian Johnson from Optimize, now Heroic, that's what he says, is, is when you're at your worst, you know, when you're doing all these self-care practices, you know, you know, following a certain philosophy, whatever it might be, you know, you're, you're, you're trying to optimize and flourish. But on those days where you're not feeling it and you're feeling despondent, <laughs> and quite frankly, that's when most people will say, oh, this isn't working or I'm not up to the challenge. And then they tend to either quit or reach for the donut or the beer, whatever it might be. Right. And you know, what he'll say is that is not the time to quit. That is the time to not only continue to execute, but 
to double down on your protocols because that's when you need it most. And for those that have the discipline to do that, you know, that can say, when I'm at my worst, that is when I have to endeavor to be my best. And re that's really when I need it most, which is hard because that's exactly when you don't want to be doing, you want to feel sorry for yourself or just go, oh my God. Yeah. And I think you people in general, me included, would like to take the easiest method. You know, we put here, there's no magic. Man, I just want some kind of magic pill for this, but there isn't one. You know, the only, the only magic is consistency and, you know, doing it over and over. That's, that's the only magic. No, absolutely. So, you know, in, in keeping with the holistic approach, you know, that we advocate, right? So we'll talk mind, body, and soul or spirit, right? So we start with, I'll say, the mind, and there's so much to it. Again, this is going to be very abbreviated because um, we covered this in a little bit more detail in previous episodes. This is just kind of, I'll say, you know, an, an encapsulation of, of this. But then we'll, we'll also speak to the relevance, right? You'll make it real for us, the why, like, all right, why are we even talking about this? Yeah. No, so we'll start with what I'll call the, the metacognitive, you know, thinking about your thinking. So in the Worrison program, right, our, our nonprofit, that first day will be very cognitive behavioral therapy heavy. And while not therapy, it's more psychodynamic education, psychoeducation. We'll tee up Daniel Kahneman's thinking fast and slow. And for those that aren't aware of Daniel Kahneman, uh, won the Nobel Prize, I believe, in behavioral economics with his work on so system one and system two doing. thinking. Say again? He knows what he's doing. Oh, no, he's a smart guy. Yeah. No, so he talks about system one and system two thinking and how your, your mind, your brain really functions. And this is a, a, I'll say a distillation. And he'll, in his book, he'll say, hey, this is a little imprecise, but to make it more usable, right? For those that aren't psychologists and neuroscientists, he says system one and system two. System one thinking is your, your intuition, right? It's your quick you know, reaction. So it's, he says, it's intuitive, fast, automatic, effortless, emotional, and efficient. It's really almost more survival, right? So amygdala, lizard brain, lizard you, know, brain. you know, various things like that. And, you know, I think it transcends that. But by and large, it's the things that, you know, case in point, you drive to work every day, same route. Do you have to think about every turn, every, every shift of the knob? No, you're on autopilot. It's an energy saving mechanism. By the same token, you hear a loud noise, you don't have to process that and go, that was a loud noise. That may have been a gunshot or something that's going to cause me harm. I should probably flinch or get it under the day. You don't think about it. You just do it. Again, it's a survival mechanism. System two thinking, on the other hand, different. Logic, reasoning. Um, so it's effortful, right? So slow, conscious, deliberate, effortful, logical, and explicit. So in the book... Dr. Kahneman refers to system two as lazy system two because it's so very energy intensive. It's like solving a math problem. And I know, I remember, you know, in, in, in college at West Point, calculus and all the other stuff, when you get the problem in front of you, you're like, oh my God, that's going to be a, what a great big pain it's going to you know, be to, to solve this very complex and comprehensive problem. Versus just guessing at an answer. Well, this answer looks about right, right? That's system one. Well, here's the deal. I mean, system one can save you. You've got a few stories, you know, in, in the aviation realm right. of, uh, you know, emergency procedures that saved you. That's the good thing, right? And again, that system one thinking, those reactions were born of your system two Effort. Flight training, very effortful. I mean, thousands upon thousands of hours in the cockpit to produce those system one reactions that saved you. And that's a good thing. The, the downside is sometimes those routine patterns of behavior that are now embedded in your system one don't serve you. It's the drinking. It's the blowing up at your wife and kids from a certain, you know, statement or, you know, uh, whatever it might be. and and. I'd say the power of this is in knowing how those systems work and then how to address and remedy them where they, when they've gone right. awry. So please, you know, speak to some of your experiences. You know, and I, again, we talked about this and in the other episode about 
training so hard and so methodically and repetitiously that maneuvers become, you know, they turn into system one thinking, even when you're in a horrible and emergency scenario. Um, that again is one of these great things. But when I think what I have issues with and have had issues with and know people is I get that same sensation of an emergency occurring to me. Well, I'm not in an emergency. Right. So it might be an anxiety attack, a panic attack. I don't know what it is. Maybe I'm mad at something that happened in traffic. Somebody cut me off. Somebody, uh, you know, I don't know. But for some reason, though I'm not in danger, my body thinks I'm in danger. So I got to come up with some method to fix this. And that's what I've discovered here, you know, um, with Warriors Ascent and, and helping my myself get into a position where i can you know get into a more system to thoughtful effortful oh my gosh i don't really need to get into a fight with that guy because he got he didn't use his blinker you know or something silly like this right i mean there's um, all sorts of mechanisms that you know we won't go into right now but they talk about you know pre-commitments yeah. Right. If then implementation intention, yeah. wherein you realize these recurring patterns of behavior aren't serving you and you're like, you know, hey, when this happens, I'm going to do this instead of that. In, in cognitive behavioral therapy, they talk about the daily thought record, you know, where you've got, you know, an, a thought, you know, an emotion and action and then an, al an alternate thought like, all right, this thought led to a suboptimal action. Yeah. Right. OK, well, what's another thought that might. I, I can replace the original with that might lead to a better, a better action. So those are right. some techniques. And clearly, you know, for the sake of this conversation, that's enlisting system two, right? To help with the, but, you know, and that's why I think it's important. One. Like these these things, if you don't know about them, it's just like getting a little intel on your enemy before going into battle. You got to know a little bit what you're facing. But IPB, yeah, intelligence preparation of the battle space. Woo. So you go in there, kind of know what you're facing. You see it happening. Well, and I also have some tools or some techniques, protocols that I can go to to alter the course and make a better out, outcome. And um, that for me is the power of learning this stuff right there is what do I do about it? That's perfect, brother. So another construct right, related right, is the cognitive behavioral therapy triangle, right? So this notion that your thoughts drive your emotions, which drive your actions. And you'll see in the diagram, the, you know, the back and forth arrows, obviously indicating that, yeah, you know, it, it works the opposite way as well. I mean, your actions can impact your emotions, your actions can impact your thoughts, emotions impact thoughts and actions, clearly, no doubt. But, you know, I'll say for the sake of system one and system two thinking thoughts, thoughts are so, instrumental critical integral into i'll say driving all else you know so many people think that their emotions or their actions or whatever it might be they're just emergent they just happen that's just the way they are that's just the way they're wired and there's nothing that can be done if you take nothing else from this episode you know or at least the the uh, you know i'll say the metacognitive portions of this episode it's that for so many, I'm not going to say all, but really pretty much so many of your actions and emotions, there's a thought that underpins them. So whether it's root cause analysis, you know, whatever it is you want to use, um, you know, if you find yourself doing things over and over or feeling a particular way, really do that analysis and say, okay, what are the thoughts that underpin that? And if they're not serving you, if there's something that you want to change, you are not left to suffer that and say, well, that's just the way I'm wired. You, you have a hand in changing that. And that's system two, the logic and reasoning. And it all starts with your thoughts. But the first step is number one is realizing it, you know, that, all right, hey. And that's where we see a lot of our students that come through. The light goes on and they're like, holy cow. And while I say no magic or mysticism, but for many, that really is an epiphany where they're like, that makes a lot of sense to me. And, and I do, in fact, see where I might be able to intervene and, and, short, you know, and, and short circuit that so that I don't keep reacting in a certain way that results in the same suboptimal outcome. 
Yeah. I think you said something that was interesting to me that sparked that things that aren't serving you. Um, I used to have a self-talk that was very motivational, though negative. I would talk to myself and say, hey, you big bum, get up and do this. You know, and I would say stuff like that to myself and that would make me do things. And that was serving me because I was achieving goals. I was moving up the ladder. I was, you know, but suddenly when uh, those were no longer serving me and I was just hearing, I'm a bum, I'm too fat, I'm too weak, my, I'm too injured, you know, you're disabled veteran. Those are the kinds of things, and, you know, that, that quit serving me. And so then I had to recognize, boy, I talked to myself poorly. And, you know, then you learn to talk to yourself more positively, and then you'll have more positive emotions, which will drive positive actions. You might even start hanging around with people that are more positive. Well, you were talking about beliefs, right? So there's, there's the, you know, thoughts, which in our previous discussion we talked about. I'll say a rough proxy for beliefs or your thoughts over time, recurring thoughts lead to, you know, a system of beliefs, in some cases, limiting beliefs. Um, you know, you're talking about your back and how, man, hey, that, that hurt. And we all, we've all been injured. We've all been like, oh, man, I can't do the things that I used to be able to do, whether it be for a period of time or whether it be, hey, in perpetuity, hey, you're not that guy anymore. You're, you know, 50 something right. years old. And you were sharing how, hey, your thoughts were at the doc said, hey, you're not going to be able to do this. And you're like, oh. but then yeah, through, I mean, through they, diligence, you overcame that. Yeah. When it, somebody tells you you're disabled, you know, it's like, okay, well, it becomes an excuse sometimes. I probably won't go do that because, you know, I am a disabled veteran and my neck and my back are messed up pretty bad or the doctors wouldn't have given me that designation, you know, so it became a my own excuse and then i didn't want that excuse so i went at it too hard and hurt myself and then that became a problem now i'm hurt see i can't do the things anymore rather than changing the whole script changing the whole thing and going look i need to do this but i need to do this really slow differently methodically with some other expert to help me so that my outcome is like i'm not trying to look like arnold anymore <laughs> you know all right. I just want to do is be functional enough right. to do some things that I'd like to do to stay recreational or enjoy life, you know, and that right. may just be riding an electric bike for, you know, right. four miles, you know, something silly um, that I would consider like super weak. It's like, Hey, that's acceptable. And I can do that. You know, if I build up to it and if I, you know, there's no limiting beliefs, you know, Right. Now, if I don't have a leg, I'm never going to grow one or something. It can't be unrealistic. Right. But you do other things. You're yeah. like, all right, hey, I mean, we're all dealing with, you know, to a degree. It's just like, hey, we've got, you know, memories of, man, I used to be able to do this or that. It's like, yeah, the, you know, that, that, that dude is done. You know, you're, you're, he's gone. You're trying to hold on, make peace with it. You know, and I'm not trying to compare to, you know, other people that have, you know, we'll say grievous injuries and things like that. Yeah. And, and what they're contending with, you know, I mean, I consider myself, you know, pretty lucky, but I think everyone grapples at least to a point with, you know, not being able to do things that they used to be able to do or things that they think they should be able to do and, and making peace with the notion that that's okay. Right. You know, that's okay. You know, just try to get better tomorrow, you know, be better than you were today. And that's a victory, man. Yeah, we talk about, you said uh, at, the, at our program, we call it um, no social comparison, especially when we're doing yoga and you see some big guys with no flexibility falling over and trying. And it's just like no social comparison. Or you look over and somebody else is just like doing it perfect. And you're like, dang, right. what's wrong with me? You know, maybe it's this giant gut in the way or something, you know. Right. But right. ultimately, you know, it's getting rid of limiting beliefs. And uh, I think what you said is the greatest is like judge yourself against who you were yesterday. Yeah. You know, and not focused on everyone else. You yeah. know, that's, that's a, it's a healthy mindset. Yeah. So next, so we talk about, you know, the mind, right? So then there's the body, you know, self-care, things of that nature. So one metacognitive frameworks, right? Your, your, your mental state, which is very important, right? But then there's self-care practices, and we've teed this up previously, this notion of the flywheel, right? So we look at sleep, eat, move, and then breathe, which is, I'll say, cross-cutting to all of them. Um, 
And the reason we like the metaphor of the flywheel is a, I'll say the, the, the circular aspect, the cyclical aspect where a sleep begets, you know, good eating habits, um, you know, and we'll say movements and exercise. Bottom line is, is as an example, if you get a poor night's sleep and you're like, oh my God, I'm exhausted. What's the first thing you reach for? You reach for the donut, you reach for the carbs, yeah. you reach for the sugar, you're drinking yep. coffee all day, which isn't good. So a bad night's sleep usually begets poor eating habits unless you've got iron discipline. By the same token, you're like, I don't feel like exercise. And you're like, uh, unless, again, you've got the discipline and you know that, no, when I'm, when I'm at my worst, I need to be at my best. And I'm not trying to say, hey, I execute perfectly. But even with a poor night's sleep, I realize, no, I got to move because that'll help. That'll help you know, get me up and moving. But so many times you're like, I just don't feel like doing it. Whereas to the contrary, I get a good night's sleep, then I've got more energy. I've, I'm more attuned to what I'm putting into my body, and I don't feel this need for carbs and you know over caffeine, you know o- over caffeination. Then I feel like moving more and exercising. I've got more energy to do that, so I get a great workout in. You know, and of course, breathing. I say it's cross-cutting to all. So many people, you know, we talked about that briefly. Don't breathe properly. So you know, here, here's. You know, I'll say, here's what'll make it real. <laughs> you can live, what, a couple days without water, right? You can live a couple weeks without food, but you can only live, what, minutes without air? I mean, if that doesn't tell you how important that is. So breathing properly is absolutely essential and, and critical. Um, and I'd say the two things that, as we discussed before, where people go wrong is they don't breathe, you know, with their, with their, diaphragm, deep belly breaths. That's important. Number two is people do a lot of mouth breathing versus through their nose. And I think there's a lot of literature and, you know, people are marketing all sorts of, you know, different things to, you know, make people breathe through their nose for sleep and things of that nature. But really, if nothing else, focus on your breathing, deep diaphragmatic breathing. And what's important about it too, is it transcends your, you know, what is it? sympathetic parasympathetic nervous system your autonomic nervous system meaning you know hey it's an automatic function like your heartbeat but it but you can also then commandeer it and say okay no now i'm in control now and i'm gonna breathe and you can do that deep breathing so that's one number two the example i'll use is when people are under duress or stress the indication is usually rapid shallow breaths you know like that well when you're doing that, even when you're not under duress, your body still interprets it that way. So if you're not paying attention to it and you're like, why, why do I feel so agitated? And right. it's like, how's your breath? Whereas you could be under stress and you do the deep belly breaths, do three or five of them. And all of a sudden you're like, all right, I feel a little bit better. Well, there's a reason for that. You know, there's what, uh, um, what is it? The Vagus nerve, nerve, vagus nerve. They talk about vagal tone and things of that yeah. nature. What goes on in Vegas stays in Vegas, right? Now. <laughs> no, but there's something to that, you know, where you actuate that with deep belly breaths, you know, the vagus nerve that that, again, from a, neuro, from a neurological standpoint will, will also um, help you. Um, and then, um, geez, just oxygenating your blood. You know, I think what they say, lower lobes of your lungs, you know, those deep belly breaths, get that air in there as well. Bottom line is there's so many advantages to, to, to deep breathing hmm. that people And you can discount. just feel it. Yeah. You can just feel it. No, so last thing, you know, and then we'll take, we'll take a, you know, a, a quick break after this. Speak to, the, you know, the other, I'll say power of that flywheel well, metaphor. So, you know, again, it's like this, the flywheel is really cool because- what it does is it slowly starts, you know, it goes from, it doesn't go from zero to 6,000 RPM. It goes zero to slum, and it slowly starts up just like this. We, this seems so overwhelming, you know, like, right. oh my gosh, there's nutrition. There's all this stuff. There's too much to if do. If I don't sleep good, I can't eat good. Then I'm not going to move good. And then I'm not breathing in, in a I've minute. I've got to go from zero to whatever. How do I fix split? Yeah, yeah. Like, so. What that is, is it just means this is super slow and incremental, incremental start as well. Like, and I just start this slowly, but once it gains momentum, 
the ease of it just keeps going. And now there's no effort anymore because it's just on its own using momentum. And those little victories like that, when they see them in results, will gain momentum. You just will, you know. So that's what I love about seeing the, you know, the flywheel concept. It really hit home with me when you said it. The other thing about breathing through my nose at basic training, a drill sergeant right in my face called me a open mouth breather. And I don't think he meant that I was intelligent. That's right. So I've from then on tried to breathe through my nose. Yeah. Perfect time to just take a break. I think so. I think so. (laughs) After that, (laughs) be back. Mic check, three, two, one. All right, brother. So we talked about the flywheel, eat, move, sleep, breathe. So let's break out, you know, at least most of these, I'll say constituent parts. So eat, you know, why is nutrition important? When we talked previously, it's like, hey, you know, in, when I was a SF guy, detachment commander, infantry, platoon leader, you know, my mantra was all things burn in the fire of extreme activity. And while I was always pretty mindful of my diet, really, truth be told, I could eat whatever I wanted and I would burn that stuff off because we were just go, go, go. But now the older I've gotten, my mantra is now you can't outwork or outrun a bad diet, you know, so watching what you eat is absolutely instrumental. I'll say to high performance, as we all know, recovery and all of that. So, you know, as the slide shows, it, uh, you know, good food fuels your mind, you know, and body to, uh, to function optimally, you know, both physically, cognitively, but here's the thing, even emotionally. So a lot of people don't realize that t- you've got more neurotransmitters in your stomach than you do in your head. And I was listening to a podcast that went so far as to say that the communication between, I should say, from your gut to your head is like something crazy, like seven or eight times that of the communication from your head to your gut. And for the longest time, people thought, well, yeah, there's two-way communication, but mostly your brain is instructing your you know, Other gastrointestinal yeah. tract and your stomach and all that stuff to digest and do its thing. But now I think people are realizing the communication is actually more the opposite. Hmm. Long story short. Um, watching what you eat is absolutely integral and instrumental to, uh, I'll say, fostering an overall sense of well-being. I mean, those ner- those neurotransmitters, you know, dopamine, norepinephrine, serotonin, right, impact your overall sense of well-being. So, suffice it to say, if you're feeling off, and I think everyone's experienced that, they eat a heavy meal. You know, and they feel like, oh my God, I want to go to sleep. Or worse, you know, you get some indigestion or a meal doesn't sit right with you. You're not in a good mood at all. You know, you're yeah. like, oh my God, this is just horrible. So the fun is over. The fun's over, man. Yeah. No. So paying attention to what you eat, I think everyone intuitively understands, yeah, you know, body composition and aesthetic, physical performance, got it. But overall sense of well being, it's every bit as important. So, yeah, I mean, Absolutely. It's like food is kind of like a drug, you know? That's exactly it. I mean, and, and I'm reaching way back, but uh, I think it's The Zone by Dr. Barry Sears, you know, and there's so many. We'll talk a little bit about nutrition and diets, but, you know, I'm not a dietitian, nor are you, you know, but there's a multitude, a myriad of, of literature out there. But no, I remember Dr. Sears talking about exactly that, like icosanoids and crazy stuff. But the one thing that I took away, from that, or I'll say the major thing was exactly that is that food has like a hormonal effect on your body beyond just the macronutrients, um, you know, carbohydrates, fats, you know, proteins, you know, and even micronutrients. But beyond that is just the hormonal effects on your body very much. Your, you know, food is in fact like a drug, you yeah. know, it has hormonal, you know, effects on, on, your, on your body. So, 
staying attuned to what I mean, you're you doing. You can before. tell if you've ever got clean and ate really well for I don't know how long or been on whole 30 or something. Right, right, right. And you know that you feel great when you're eating that way. And um, so I don't, I don't know. It's just another thing where why would you put this bad fuel in this great machine? You know, you wouldn't ever take your dragster and fill it with, you know, diesel. You, you want to put the right fuel in the, in the engine and to, so it performs well or doesn't doesn't destroy it like a diesel engine you know a diesel engine would be destroyed by gasoline <laughs> and so we do that all the time to our biological engines that no that i mean that that's exactly it and and we all get it you know it's like oh it tastes so good you yeah, know so it was so good going down <laughs> right and then you know the difference is you know with the delayed gratification you know for those that are attuned to what it is they're putting in their bodies um yeah it may taste so good going down and you satisfy those 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 cravings but on the back end you know it's like oh my god i'm gonna pay for this and to your point i mean when i'm eating very cleanly if i have like a cheat meal which is important i mean yeah. i'm not gonna say hey tofu and bean sprouts for the rest of your life and that's what it's gonna take to to enhance your sense of well-being i mean that's no life but eat, you know, sensibly all throughout the week and, and have a cheat meal or two or three or whatever, but then get back on it. But I'll speak for myself on the, the days where I've done that, had like, you know, an ice cream sundae or some cheesecake. I mean, the next day I've got like low-level flu-like symptoms sometimes. Yeah, you feel like you have you know, a hangover. Aching, my joints ache. Yeah, it's crazy. Right. So, you know, be mindful of that. It's like, hey, it was great, you know, during the meal. I was like, oh man, I feel so good. And I pay for it the next day. Yeah. You know, if not sooner, if not the half hour after. Now, so anyway, what constitutes, you know, a good or sound diet? So, um, lean meats, um, and that's chicken, fish, um, lean red meat, pork, things of that nature. Bottom line is you need some level of protein for repair. You know, I know there are people that are vegan, vegetarian, got it. You need protein in whatever form that takes. So that's important. There's plant-based proteins, right? Yeah, right, exactly. And I mean, there's so many diets out there. Again, we're not nutritionists. We're not dietitians, So we're not going to advocate anything specific. Um, but there are, I'll say, commonalities among some of the more mainstream diets, right? So there's keto, paleo, Mediterranean diet. You talked about Whole30 with the heart wigs. I think they're the major proponents for that. And that's all about just kind of pulling out of your diet, all the things that are known to be inflammatory, you know, milk, gluten, and then reintroducing those one at a time to see which one it to is. see, in fact, if you do have an intolerance, you know, or you can get tested regardless, you know, the, the common themes in most all those diets are have lean protein, vegetables, right? So complex carbohydrates, um, not starches, not pastas, but, but vegetables. And if you want to down even more, you know, they talk about cruciferous, you know, so broccoli, um, cauliflower, I think uh, Brussels sprouts is in Brussels there, sprouts. you know, exactly. A little bit of fruit, right? Because fruit, although good for you, it's still a sugar. It's not sucrose, but fructose, you know, which you got to watch. Um, nuts and seeds, right? Good fats, you know, so that can be, you know, avocado, um, you know, in terms of nuts, you know, macadamia nuts, I mean, the list goes on, but uh, stay away from the processed foods as a rule of thumb, watch the pastas, watch the, watch the, you know, the grains or the, uh, I should say flour, um, stay away from processed. If it comes in a box, it's probably not you all said that, that good. When you go into a grocery store, there's a method. Right. So rather than in the middle aisle, stay on the periphery, right? So that's where you're going to find produce. That's where you're, where you're going to find, you know, the butcher. You know, if it comes in a box and it's processed to the best of your ability, you know, if you can avoid it, you know, so that would be the rule of thumb. So that's diet and nutrition. Very important. So next movement or, or exercise, right? So we've got the fit principles. Again, we can go into all sorts of details in subsequent episodes. We can bring some real, you know, SMEs or subject matter experts that do this for a living, have degrees in exercise physiology, and they can all go through periodization and energy system development, 
you know, with, uh, you know, the, the, the glycolytic phosphogenic oxidative energy systems Ooh. and blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, hey, but for this, we're just going to keep it very simple and use the master fitness trainer. You remember from the army being a master <laughs> fitness trainer? Yeah. I didn't so, like those guys. Yeah. <laughs> they, were, they were mean to me. Because they were mean and they made you do PT. I was, they like, made I was you a war officer. I didn't go to PT. Uh, well, geez. I'm kidding. I did. I know you did. You had to. There's one or two chiefs in the for That me. didn't do that. Yeah. Right. No, so fit principles, right? So frequency, intensity, time, and type. So we'll just break that out ever so quickly. So frequency is, hey, how often you're exercising. Here's what I'll say. Of all of these principles, frequency is chief among them. It's like meditation as an example. I'll use that. You can meditate for three hours in a day and go, man, I, that, was a, that was a really badass in-depth meditation practice. And you don't meditate for the rest of the month, it has done zero for you right. or very little. You meditate for 10 minutes a day, every day. Now, now you're, you're going to see some impact. You're going to see right. some, some outcomes. And it's Exercise achievable to do that thing. for 10 minutes. That's exactly it. Yeah. It's the same thing with, you know, if the frequency in, ter- in terms of exercise. You are much better served doing moderate exercise three, four, five times a week than you are killing yourself doing one of those CrossFit workouts once or twice a month. I mean, frequency truly is king. And as you pointed out, what's nice is, especially if you're an older person, guys like us, where it's like, I can do those exercises, the real intense ones, and then I'm sore and I pay for it. And I'm like non-mission capable, you know, after that, you know, or you can say, hey, let me ramp up to that. You know, let me do something with more frequency, a little less intensity, and I'll build up to that. So that's important. Intensity clearly speaks to, you know, how intense, and that can be measured in heart rate, perceived exertion, um, number of reps and sets, you know, and, and load, you know, in terms of resistance types ex- exercises. But bottom line is, hey, how hard you're pushing yourself, right? Like, so did you get rhabdo? I mean, did you really, <laughs> right. did you really want it? Oh, I know. No, <laughs> man, I just want to be able to show up the next day, man. Uh, so time, right? The duration of the activity. And that's, I'll say, somewhat of a function of intensity, right? So, I mean, if you're, if you're pushing yourself to the max for a minute or two minutes, you know, that's high intensity. That's going to be one of those high intensity workouts. If you're going for a long, slow, you know, I'll say fat burning run at your aerobic threshold, hey, that's going to be lower intensity. Again, it, 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 it enlists a different energy system, the, the oxidative or you know, aerobic, and that's got to function, clearly. Um, no, so the time, right? And that's also a function of how much time you have available, you know, and, and having come off of you know, like a heavy half marathon in Leadville, I mean, there's a little bit of a time investment there. And there are times when running for two and a half, three hours is a great big pain to build your oxidative base. You know, luckily, you know, my, my wife and kids understood and they're like, yeah, no, we get it. You know, suffer now or suffer later in the mountains. Yeah. So there it was. But some people may not have three hours. So maybe about of 30 minutes of a little bit more moderate intensity a couple times a week may serve you. Right. It's all about your training outcomes and it's all about, you know, what it is you have available. And then lastly, type. So cardio, that's important, right? So whether that's walking, biking, running, swimming. Mm-hmm. Um, rocking, whatever it might be, but something that's going to raise your heart rate. That's important. And then strength, strength and resistance. I mean, this is for young guys and older people too, really for, you know, quality of life, you know, because people begin to lose muscle mass. Yep. And as you progress into your later years, that's not a good thing. That's how people, when they fall, they break stuff. So maintaining strength is important. So that's, uh, you know, you can do body weight exercises, free weights, machines, you know, whatever it might be. Bottom line, major takeaway in terms of type, do a little bit of cardio, do a little bit of resistance. And if you want to pair the two with like a, uh, a circuit, you know, circuit training, right. hey, that's great. CrossFit, whatever it might be. So the other thing we, we talked about, right, was not only is it just the physical performance, right? And being able to, you know, achieve certain physical goals. But we talked about exercise and mental well-being. You want to speak to that? Yeah. I mean, just so struggling with a bad back, bad neck. Um, you know, I'm the kind of guy that overdid things and injured myself. And then 
the recovery took so long that the next time I went to do something, I injured myself to the point where I believed, oh, I can no longer do this activity. And so I can no longer do anything like that activity. Then it starts getting going back into that CBT triangle where I start thinking bad emotions and my thoughts are like, well, fine. Next thing you know, you're sitting on the couch growing a big midsection. Right. right you know, right. in reality, what I've discovered through, I just got sick of not being able to do things is I got to do something about strengthening my core or something so I won't hurt my back. And um, found somebody that could do that for me and give me the right stuff. And so I go in to do these things and it's like exercises I've never done with weights that are embarrassingly low. <laughs> and I just thought I got to throw out what I always thought of exercising and lifting weights. I'm not trying to be Arnold. I'm Try. just trying to be a guy that can go out and ride a bike a little bit. That's it. Or, you know, do other things. And what I'm finding is, you know, the flywheel effect is that little bit, little by little by little, I'm getting Try. stronger and stronger and stronger. And oh, by the way, I start seeing, man, I'm doing a little more stuff and it's not hurting me. So, um, it's working so dang results are you know again the builds momentum i'm a little off right now because we went on a vacation and some stuff like that that's but, natural that's forgivable know, but we'll jump right back on the bandwagon again and just you know what i found was like the other thing was just just showing up you just got to show up that's weeder's number so you talked about arnold right so joe weeder trainer of champions you know one of i think arnold's trainers or managers mm -hmm. or whatever is his rule number one is show up and there's you know and rule number two, squat deep, right? <laughs> no, but rule number one, I mean, believe there's real genius there for a variety of reasons. One, you know, even on the days where you're like, I am not feeling it, I don't want to work out, but you force yourself to show up. In other words, getting back to the cognitive behavioral triangle. Yeah. Your thoughts might be, I don't want to do this. Your emotions might be, I'm just not feeling it. But your actions are like, no, I'm going to show up and make that commitment. And, you, and then what happens? You show up and then... Even if you're kind of languishing through the first part of the exercises, next thing you know, you start doing better. At the end of it, walking away, going, man, do I feel so happy that I did this. Because exactly. I mean, and there's, I mean there, there's so much to that. I mean, number one, you show up and you're like, all right, I'm going to go through the motions. And then what happens is you actually have a better workout than you think more often than not. And right. even on the days where you're like, I wasn't feeling it and I'm still not felt like I'm legitimately sick or something. Okay, great. But you at least did something. That's one. Something. But what yeah. you're tapping into is the psychological component of honoring a commitment to yourself. To you. And that's tied yeah. into your, your beliefs, right? Thoughts and beliefs and your belief system. So rather than having limiting beliefs, now you've proven to yourself that when I set a goal or I make a commitment to myself, I honor it. And even if I'm just showing up and doing something, I'm staying true to that commitment that I made to myself, which is powerful. I think in another time we talked about when we were taking a personal inventory of whether are we truly doing everything we can, the one person you don't want to lie to is your dang self. You know, why are you lying to yourself? I mean, nobody else is going to know. You got to do, you know, you got to... You just got to do it for yourself. And that self-commitment is, I think, I'm the first person that I will cheat on at the same time, you know. But you got to get that mentality differently. No, man, that's key. That is key. But there was another, there's another component to this as well, beyond even the psychological, right? So it's been said, right, that a bout of exercise, I'll say particularly cardiovascular, but bottom line is, hey, if... You're raising your heart rate, respiration, all of it that counts, right? You know, whether you're lifting weights or running. But a good bout of exercise is like a little bit of Ritalin and a little bit of Prozac, so they say. Um, and studies have shown that it has the same types, you know, of, of effects that, uh, you know, it helps, I'll say, calm people down and center them, but also focus them at the same time. Well, think about this. You do some cardio, you're going to do some deep breathing. Deep breathing, we just discovered, is good for your vagus nerve, all this stuff. I mean, this is all huge cycles of different interconnecting things. I think there's something to that as well. Exactly. Mm -hmm. You know, you feel like, all right, you're taxed, your respiratory system. You're like, whew. But no, I'll, I'll say beyond just the physical performance piece and, and wanting to, all right, hey, achieve certain goals, you know, whether it's strength development goals or moving at a certain rate. Um, 
I just feel better. I, you know, I'll say anecdotally, you know, beyond the research and the literature, I come off a good run or a good workout and I just feel so, so much better. So really, you know, the point that I want to impress upon everybody is, you know, if you're like, I'm not an athlete, I don't care about that. I'm not looking to run marathons. That's great. I'm not doing CrossFit. I'm not grappling BJJ. I, I don't care about this stuff. Okay, that's fine. What I'm saying is exercise is so inextricably linked with your overall sense of well-being that if you're, if you're not exercising, you're denying yourself the ability to, uh, to really tap into a natural <laughs> mechanism to, you know, feel better, to feel better. Yeah, right. Absolutely. No, exactly. All those same endorphins and neurotransmitters and all of that, you have that at your disposal for free. All you've got to do is exert yourself. Yep. So, so last thing we'll speak about is self-actualization. So Abraham Maslow says what one can be, one must be, right? And he's given us the, the, the triangle here, right? So Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So just very quickly, you know, you've got your physiological needs at the bottom, you know, food, water, all of that, your safety needs, you know, all right, you're safe from predators, right? Um, belongingness. So, hey, you've got family, friends, people that care about you. Esteem needs, you know, accomplishment that, hey, you're effective. You're, you're you know, a somewhat successful person. But at the very pinnacle, and I don't think a lot of people realize this, is the need for self-actualization, right? It's this notion that you have a higher purpose than just, you know, existing or making the donuts yeah. or whatever it might be. And that all other things being catered for. If you're not paying attention to that self-actualization, that self-fulfillment, you're, you're really denying yourself total well-being, right? And the key to that is really tapping into this notion of, hey, what was I put on this earth for? You know, what am I good at? You know, what am I here for? Where do my propensities lie? Um, you know, and then fulfilling that to the best of your ability. You know, we had another episode where we went into, you know, a whole lot of detail with the Venn diagrams. What are you good at? Right. Um, you know, what do you love to do? And, you know, what, what can you make a living at? You know, or, you know, they pay the bills, whatever it might be. Because if you're doing nothing more than just pursuing hedonic pleasures that you, you know, I'm great at drinking beer, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I'm great at beach. drinking beer and I love it. <laughs> well, unless you're like a taste tester for, you know, Bud Light, Bud Light or whatever, right? Um, you're probably you not going to make a living. Somebody so you, you best find, yeah, you best find another, uh, best find another, uh, you know, vocation. Um, yeah. So self-actualization. Self Speak yeah, to that, brother, I, I in, really in think, terms of your life. I, you know, like in this last podcast that we did about this, I really scratched my head about it. And uh, I just, I buy into this. Um, I don't know if it's because Maslow or not, but I have a personal, I sat there, I, I retired from the army. I, I had the acreage with the farm with, you know, was the chickens to calm me and the honeybees to make me feel good. And I had the Claymore mines all around the perimeter and the landmines. <laughs> well, that's good. IEDs ready for anybody who would breach my security, but they go. shouldn't. But, you know, I'm sitting there, um, not really worried financially. Um, basically, could do whatever I needed to do and um, instantly miserable. You know, and it's not, I, I feel terrible about that because there's people all over the world in the third world nations that didn't have close to what I had. And I knew this. It made me feel horrible that I hadn't served on behalf of something, something bigger than me, like I'm used to, you know, and that's what I think I was really missing. And I, and I, I know that once you put that purposeful thing in there, and it may even be a small thing, it may be an interim one just to get you through until you figure out what it is, but you should always have something at the top of that pair, you know, at that pyramid trying to figure out what you can be. Why are you on this crazy place we call earth, you know, and it doesn't have to be a um, religious thing. It doesn't have to be at all. It just is something that fulfills your need to, to be around. Like, what am I here for? Not just to right. steal oxygen. So it's like Viktor Frankl, right? Psychologist 
survive the Holocaust, right? His book, Man's Search for Meaning. So meaning is so very important, you know? And without meaning, you know, I've heard it said that not being needed is a slow death for a man, which is interesting when you think about it, when you're made to feel that I'm, I'm, I'm dispensable. I'm well, not I can needed. believe in that. And all of a sudden you're like, holy. Especially if you had been needed heavily. And suddenly, at one time, and no longer are. Yeah, and suddenly, like in a retirement scenario, especially in the military where we retire young, and the the intent of retirement isn't that we'll ever stop working. It's just that we aren't working for the army anymore. You know, it's so so that cutting it off. Though we look forward to it, we discuss it for years. That's the pie in the sky. That's the goal. Just get all the way to retirement. That was another thing for me is I made it all the way to retirement. Almost, you know, I missed out on the very top rank as a warrant officer. But still, you know, like all these goals all along the way are being met. And then there's no further goal beyond retirement. It's like, then I just live this incredible life going off into the sunset. Right. And then, you know, you, know, you see unit mates go, you see the old crusty chief go, you see the, you know, colonel go away, the sergeant major go away. Don't hear from them again. And you just think they're out there running around on the farm with little Tammy, you know, and they're not. They're, you know, some of them hopefully are engaged in something. Yeah, I mean, it's the notion that, you know, life is not a destination, you know, it's a, it's a journey. So it's not, all right, I've arrived. This is my life. It's like, no, man, it's, it's, it's a journey. But, you know, there's something else that you tapped into, which is in the service, you know, where what, what is taken from someone when they leave the military or law enforcement or, you know, fire department, you know, EMS, 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 EMS whatever yeah. it might be. Number one, I think there's that, that tribe that sense of tribe that Absolutely. people understand me, they're, they're like me, they have the same um, value system. We you know, speak and, the and same there's, language. There's, there's the same language, same lexicon. That's important as well. But here's the other thing, too, now that you mention it is aside from the tribe, it's being a valued member of the tribe. You know, in other words, being, you know, having meaning, right? Not only in your life, like, hey, this is meaningful to me but being meaningful and useful to others. And then all of a sudden when hey, you're no longer a part of the tribe or B, you're not a contributing member, like people are depending upon you. People respect you for, for, you know, your value and what you bring. And when it's just like, ah, oh, we don't need you anymore. And Whether it's like it, this place couldn't run without me. And oh, it does. It does. The big green machine's always going to go on. Yeah. No, but you know, I think people really discount the, I'll say the deleterious effect that that has on, on your psyche and emotional state, this notion of no longer being critical part of the team or being needed. Um, At a relatively young age, right? you know, in your 40s, it could be 38 if you did it 18 and did 20 years, you know, so. That's true. That's true. All right, brother. Um, I think that wraps up. I'll, I'll say this season this season ah. right so the hope is you know we did a recap of all the lessons if there's anything that appealed to anyone in the audience please go back look at the other episodes and uh you know i think we we did a little bit more in depth for each of those this was just kind of a, a very superficial treatment um and teeing up for next next season well geez we'll do uh you know i'll say more of the same you know the hope is that we'll have some subject matter experts, some guests. Um, we'll speak about the same basic facets. Hey, mind, body, soul, fortitude, prudentia and gravitas. What's really important to us too is we take this information and we figure out how to implement it. What's the how and the why of exactly. giving this information to That's a person right. so that they can take that, implement actual action, to produce it. an outcome. That's it's exactly. valuable. And not, that, that's, not just the box sat, right? The bunch of guys sitting around talking, right. but, but something actionable. Yes. And so valuable. Right. And that's, you know, that's the value I got out of going to a warrior's ascent cohort. And, um, again, just continuing to work the system when everything's, you know, you said each right. episode, trust the process, good things happen baby. To, bad trust things happen to good people. So you got to know how to recuperate. That's right. Trust the process.
All right, so Thanks, we will Mike. be back, you know, next episode, next season. Um, we are looking forward to it. And uh, should we do a little call to action and say, call to come action. on. Hey, tell you your friends. It. I mean, if yep. you found this useful, please, by all means, um, tell your friends, share the episode and uh, give us some feedback in terms of, hey, what you liked, what you didn't like and what we could do better. With that said, we'll see you next episode. Appreciate you. Pounds. Boom. Hi, Matt Hastings here, sending a thank you for watching this episode of the Warriors Ascent podcast. You know, we strive to build a community of warriors made up of our nation's veterans and first responders, and to reach as many of those in need as possible, we need your help. Please just smash that like button and comment or share our content. Warriors Ascent is a Kansas City-based nonprofit that aids veterans and first responders with PTS. I went through this effective program and want those that are struggling to find what I found. Check us out on our website at warriorsascent.org.